Hell, you could say that 10,000 times and it still wouldn't be enough. It fires me up, man. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake it back! Does that feel good? <laughs> yeah, it rhymes. They're both verbs. Awesome. Episode 44. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Move your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Now without that chalky aftertaste. And now, here are your hosts, Brad Milo and Frank A. Rincon. And welcome to episode 44. Hey, Brad. Hey, Frankie. And this is part two of our Ethan Van Skyver interview. So uh, we had a lot of fun, didn't we? Yeah, we talked for another 45 minutes yeah, or so. Yeah, 45 minutes or so. So, uh, so kick back and enjoy. I have a question about the orange lanterns. Do you know who the Guardians are referring to when it says, while the orange light of avarice will be discovered and manipulated by a being whose greed knows no bounds? Cool. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think it's Superman Prime. Okay. Because right. that dude was greedy. <laughs> he wanted, he wanted, I think it's Superman Prime. Could be. And now, we know you can't say anything. But, yes, I'm not but, asking but, you to tell. Another uh, comment Another comment I wanted to make about the lanterns is that I love the fact that the red lantern is different. You know, the handle's different. You know, most of the other ones have the same round handle, but that red lantern has just that different handle, and that's that's a major part of their symbol. I thought that was cool. They're all slightly different, I think. Um, yeah, the, the indigo you know, lantern. The, yeah, the indigo lantern is actually organic. It's made of stone or yes. wood or something. Yeah, it was very cool, uh, very different than, than the rest. Yeah, Jeff liked that a lot. I, I, that was my idea. Thank you. <laughs> and oh, I was like, I don't know if Jeff's going to like this. And he called and said, this is great. That's exactly what it should have been. Well, when you look um, at that, that splash page that follows, when all the lanterns are, the cores are fighting each other, mm-hmm. the indigo lanterns, they all have minimalistic costumes. Yeah. You know, it, and I take it well, that was kind of your idea as well. Let me, let me spoil something. Let me give you a little information about the indigo lanterns. Okay. I think we're allowed to do that at this point. But the indigo lanterns are about compassion. And as you can see, they don't wear very much. Um, a part of being an indigo lantern is your willingness to renounce all of your worldly goods, everything that you own, and give your life over to this religion. And so, you know, it would you would have to just immediately say, look, I'm going to devote my life it's one. It's especially you know poignant, especially accepting of wealthy people, people who do have a lot to begin with, who who give everything away, to just help other people. And and you know, in in battle, you'll see they they don't they don't fight. They have endless compassion. They're healers, and um, are able and are able and willing to help anyone. I mean, even the Red Lanterns, uh, they see no distinction. Um, uh, you know, an, an injured Red Lantern is somebody that, you know, they would help. Uh, 
on the battlefield just uh, as quickly as they might aid a blue lantern. So, so the the opposite of, of of the indigos would obviously be the oranges because the oranges are about greed. Correct. The oranges take, and you know, saying that right now, I guess I kind of see how these guys are are polar opposites of each other. We have willpower versus fear. We have love versus no, hate. no, no. Willpower is right in the middle. We have hope oh. versus fear. Hope versus willpower hope. is never the opposite of fear. Oh, I see. You know, okay. will, willpower is just the drive to get something done. Fear enters into that a lot. I mean, you know, Hal and 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 you know Guy and Kyle. I mean, all of them have given into fear and and have merged closer to yellow throughout their career. Uh, if you really look at it, I mean, you know, Sinestro's whole plan is about blurring, you know, green into yellow, hmm. yellow into green, and it's been happening for for decades. Um, I can also uh, see how you know, green I mean, this would. Is, this is what what they're about. Hope is the opposite of fear, and I think a, a blue lantern would be extraordinarily effective against a yellow lantern without having to kill him, without having to use lethal force. Wow. Um, a blue lantern aiding a, a green lantern would make a green lantern, you know, 50 times more effective um, because, you know, that blue energy of hope uh, is encouraging and it, and it nurtures willpower. So, I think I see an example of that on that splash page. Over on the left, it looks like an indigo lantern is reaching out and touching a, a green lantern who's injured. Yeah. It's yeah. very cool. Healing, you know, but I mean that's that's what all of these these things are about. I mean, you know, at, at, you know, at the end of the day, I know it doesn't seem like it, but you know, any one of us could put on any one of these rings at any time. I mean, I, you know, you'd like to think that you wouldn't be able to to use a red or an orange or a yellow ring, but let's say. Um, Somebody did something horrible to your family. Some some evil was committed against you. I mean, some act of, of just, you know, utter uh, maliciousness. And you wanted vengeance against that person. And a red ring came down to you and said, if you put me on, I will give you the ability and power to, you know, to get the vengeance that, that you deserve in a way that's most effective and most satisfying. I mean, how, you know, it's like, you might be tempted to put on that ring. I'd be sorely tempted. Um, a, an orange ring comes to you and says, put me on and I'll give you everything your heart ever desires. Wow. I, I am your Aladdin's lamp. I am everything. I will give you everything in the world. You might put on an orange ring. Superman Prime. Um, you know. <laughs> so it, 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 it's nice to think that, you know, you know there's, there's a, a strong contrast um, on either side of the spectrum between good and evil, but I'm not so sure there is. And I think that, you know, what Jeff did very, very well with Sinestro Corps was to explain Sinestro's motivations away so that you understood him. Um, you know, from our point of view, what Sinestro is doing is, you know, and what his objectives are, evil, but not from his. You know, he's not, he's not some cackling madman. Uh, he's, uh, you know, um, ordered and, and careful and, and meticulous, and he knows what he wants to do. And he has a reason for it. He thinks it'll make things better. Um, you know, so 
you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, all of these rings, I think, are, offer um, and satisfy human drives, human qualities that we all have. And that's why I think Blackest Night is going to be uh, an absolutely spectacular event. How Everybody invo- will love it. How involved are you? Are you going to be drawing all the episodes, uh, all the issues for that uh, for that series? Or do you um, know yet? I thought I was. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was, but something's come up. Are you drawing um, any of it? What's that? Are you drawing any of it? Oh yes, I will. I will draw. What what I'll probably what we're talking about now is that I you know we'll just repeat Sinestro Core again, and I'll do an opening, you know, giant size special that'll establish everything, and then you know hopefully Ivan will come and finish it because you know Ivan's got to be my favorite artist at DC now. Ivan's um, good. Yeah, he's a great counterpart to you. I mean. um this this whole uh, Green Lantern just uh, twenty five it flows so well together the art. Yeah, we look at uh, you know I somebody said um, uh, to me that uh, you know it's interesting to see Green Lantern twenty five because you know you're not sure where Ivan's pages end and mine begin and to me that's like the biggest compliment to me Frank, that I've ever heard. Frank said that very um, same thing. You know, just being able to. to <laughs> To match that standard of quality that he brings is, uh, wow, I mean, that's enormous. I hope I'm able to do that. Frank was shocked when he looked at the cover more closely and he realized that you didn't draw all of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I I went to the back and, you know, it says what pages, who did, so I had to actually mark them off. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know if that was an insult to an artist or not to say that, you know, it just flows so well together. Are you credited as artist because you inked your own stuff? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I ink my own stuff, you know, all the time now. I just, I I don't like working with inkers. I feel like, you know, I feel like subtle things are off when I'm being inked that, I, you know, bother me. Yeah, I... Um, th- um, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, I seem to remember at, at Wizard World uh, during that during that uh, panel thing, you had talked how it usually takes you a lot longer to do a page than, than an average person. I guess that's because you ink your own stuff, too. Because you're doing twice as much work. Yeah, I also there's no method. I, you know, one thing that I admire about Ivan's stuff is that it it seems like, um, this is this is routine for him. This is what he does, and and you look at it, and it's all very well laid out and and very well done and consistent. And I I have absolutely no artistic training whatsoever. I'm entirely self-taught. And so every new book and every new page that I draw is a new adventure for me. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, that astounds so, me that you were self-taught. <laughs> it that, takes me a while. That's I ridiculous. Have... That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, <laughs> that you just draw like that. Just You taught yourself? Yeah, no, I, but it's not such a good thing. I mean, there are artists who are really Says you, like Mark, Mark Bagley or, you know, you know, Ivan or, you know, Alan Davis is another one that have it down you know and it's like i really want to have it down but i don't yes so I, you do i'm looking at i'm looking at this one of these last few pages uh in number 25 where uh at the bottom there's two panels of sinestro he's in the dark he's kneeling it makes me think of the beginning of the rebirth series but yeah yeah oh no not not rebirth that well, my idea was to just bring it right around to the, the first page of sinestro that's Core what number i meant to say again. yeah mm-hmm. sinestro Core one but yeah, the look the on Sinestro's face is just, it's scary. Mm. And you can tell he's, he knows what he's going to do next. I mean, 
saying that you but, don't but have it down is, just blows me away. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I, you know, the thing is, the advantage of, of what I'm doing is that when I succeed, I succeed wildly. But then I fail as often as I succeed because there's no method to it and everything's experimental. And, you know, as I'm sitting here, you know, drawing, you know, JLA number 20, which I'm doing all this month, um, you know, it's Flash and Wonder Woman. And it's an opportunity for me to mess around with Flash and see what I can do. Because I have some, some visual ideas for how to draw Flash in a new way to make his speed energy powers look neat, like just visually engaging. Um, no more, you know. Uh, 100,000 um, uh, multi-image shots of Flash. I'm not sure that's what a guy who's moving at the speed of light looks like. Only if there's um, a strobe light on him. <laughs> yeah, because it just it actually it looks slower to me when I see that. Yeah. But I, I you know, I just want to goof around and, and see if I can find something something neat. I mean, maybe I'll fail, but maybe I'll succeed. You know, and and maybe. Um, you know, people will say, wow, this is a neat way to, to do the Flash, and I'm going to start drawing the Flash this way now. You know, um, there's something to be said about, you know, not having any type of formal training because you're actually looking at things differently. When you're trained, you're trained on how to do things and, and um, you know, how this is how it's always been and stuff like that. You, and I mean, you're really given an opportunity to kind of, I don't know, uh, work, you know, I hate to use that term, but... You know, think outside the box. Think differently about doing things, and that you know that that's really amazing. I'm I'm astounded that you're not formally trained. I really am. I applaud you. I and and at least you're very open about you know I fail as much as I succeed. But Ethan, when you succeed, you succeed. I mean, it, it, it is um, you are amazing. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna indulge in a, a bit of self indulgence here, and this may I hope it doesn't offend you. Uh, it should oh. it should flatter you. Um, we recently interviewed Freddie Williams II, who is drawing uh, the Flash monthly. Oh yeah. And uh, while we were talking to him, I jokingly said, "Hey, put a little uh, half hour wasted Easter egg in there somewhere, and uh, uh-huh. you know, put our logo or HHW or something like that." And he ended up actually putting it on the cover of a book. Uh, it's in issue number two thirty four. So 234? I'm putting you on the spot and saying you have our permission. To either sneak our logo in there somehow from uh, from our website or the letters HHW, and uh, we're giving you permission, me, Ethan. We're giving you permission. We're giving you permission to to I do mean, that. I can't believe anyone would ask me to hide something in my artwork. I'm not known for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so alien to who I am as an artist. What uh, are there any Easter eggs in twenty five? Um. Yes. Oh, oh, oh spill them. Spill them. No, I can't. Uh, Why not? I can't. I can't. Does it have to do I, with... You no, know, if I do, then it'll take away from the gravity of the story. I can't. You know, I, I always do what's instinctive now, and it's, you know, it's just what I do. Okay, um, so I'm going to have to scour your pages <laughs> and look for things. There's got to be something on this ginormous splash page of all the different lanterns. Yeah. You would think so, but... Well, I is that a Subway sandwich? That. I think I see a Subway sandwich shop in now. Maybe that's my imagination. <laughs> I like the guy, the the green guy that has all the body parts floating around in him. Oh, slush! Slush. You know what I'm looking at? It looks like there's a soda Splash. can in his left arm. Is there a soda um, can in his left arm? What's that? Is there a soda can floating around in his left arm? No, that's his uh, armband. 
it's the wristbands the Sinestro Corps has oh, to wear. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, I can see that now. No, you're right. You're right. Oh, That's exactly what it is. You know, um, let me ask you about this, because since you did, uh, you started off doing Impulse. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bart Allen's recently died. Was there any type of emotional connection there? Oh, yeah, like like when when you found out uh, um, Bart died, were you like, oh, you know, because that's where I started, now he's gone. Well, they changed him so much over the years. I mean, I think if they killed him in Impulse, uh, it would have been heart-rending for me. But uh, because, I mean, Bart Allen is this kid, you know, this little boy character that, um, that I was drawing to support my family when I first got married and first had my son. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... You know, yeah, he, he's dear to me. Um, but they aged him a lot and made him into the Flash. I think I wasn't interested in what they were doing um, with him in the Flash. And so when they said they were killing him, I thought that was extreme. Yeah. I didn't think that was the answer to uh, um, to a creative team that didn't seem to be clicking. Because, I mean, that happens, you know. There are times when... Uh, you know, the the sum is not as great as the parts, and you just have to kind of go, oh, well, we tried, but, you know, let's split up and re-team up with other, you know, artists, flash writers or whatever, and, and try again somewhere else. Uh, you know, I think initially the Flash book just didn't seem to work. And I, I felt like the answer to that wasn't to kill Bart Allen. Um, it was to get a new creative team and try again, which they did, remember, and suddenly the book was really starting to get interesting. Yeah. By that time, I guess they had already decided what they were going to do. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. I wasn't happy about it. But I did get to do the covers leading up to the death of Barn Allen. I was meant to do the covers all the way through. Um, but Tony Daniel came aboard to draw those issues. And, you know, Tony's a good artist. He should do his own covers. So there you go. Okay. Yeah, because I, I remember reading, uh, you, you know, when I was getting ready for this, I was, you know, reading about you, and I, and I thought about that. Oh, there's, you know, there's someone I started off with, and now and now he's gone. But, um, I mean, you know how superhero heroes are. I mean, uh, Bart actually exists in the future somehow. They can always bring him back somehow. They can always travel back in time and bring him or something yeah, like people that. People don't stay dead forever in comics, and that's the way it should be. Yeah, I, I well, kind of I, I, I feel like comics may evolve at some point into something like this. I would like to see storylines um, becoming just creator-focused. Like, it, if Jeff and I were to do Batman, let's, you know, get on Batman, and let's start at the beginning of Batman's life, you know, Batman's career, and then let's end after 12 issues with how his story ends, whether that's his death or retirement or just the end of the case. Hmm. Uh, that's up to us. And now we're done, over, finished. That was Jeff and Ethan's Batman. Now, moving on. Next creative team. You do what you want to do with Batman. Movies. I mean, that's, that's what I would like to see happen instead of this dense, ongoing continuity. It would be interesting. You know, it would be interesting to see that kind of thing happen. Um, but again, I mean, you know, the great thing about about comics is that, you know, yeah, Bart Allen is dead. Am I really worried? Eh. Mm-hmm. Somebody will bring him back, and you know, I'll be interested again. Or maybe there'll be a new impulse. Um, you know, things would be all right. Yeah, and you, you never know. Maybe he'll get a black ring. <laughs> you would. Can you imagine yeah. that? Could you imagine a, a flash with the impulse? ring? 
That'd be crazy. Ooh. Well, there you go. I think you just I think you just wrote the first up issue. I'll run that by Jeff. We have an artist friend of ours named uh, June Kim, June Bob Kim, and when we told him that you that we were going to interview, he had a couple questions that he really wanted to ask. So he's a he's a fantastic artist, and if he's not working for Marvel or DC in the next few years, there's something wrong with the world, mm. and that's no we exaggeration. Um, would you mind a couple of questions from him? No, of course not. Um. Uh, he gave me six questions. I'm trying to pick one that might that might work uh, easily. Uh, what does your workflow look like at this time? Do you usually lay out the entire script or tackle it in pages or chunks as you go? Um, I will look at a script very carefully, break it down into scenes, um, and I will then say, okay, this scene I'm going to work on all at once. And I don't have to start on page one. But, I mean, sometimes a scene will be one page, and sometimes a scene will be three pages. Um, and usually a scene will all take place in the same setting, so I'll make sure I have all the reference that I need. Um, you know, if, if, the, if the scene takes place in a, you know, uh, I don't know, an abandoned warehouse, maybe a, who can't draw an abandoned warehouse? But anyway. <laughs> I can't. Um, I would get photo reference to help me along. Um, and then just work on that until that was done. And I think... The, the, the great thing about doing that is that um, when you're working on things scene by scene, there are some days when you feel like a nut and some days when you don't, and uh, your scenes kind of change. Like sometimes I'll, I'll feel like doing laying down a lot of ink. All of a sudden I want a candy bar. black and shadowy. Uh, it really separates. And, and creates different moods and different atmospheres for every scene in a in a story. Um, so that's basically how I do it. I never lay the whole thing out at once. Oh, so bland. Mm. Like I'm going to have all my best ideas in one moment. You know, uh, you, the the I mean, you know, just uh, thinking about the script while you're drawing it um, and taking your time and letting ideas come. I mean, that's when all of the the cool little nuggets happen that people talk about on message boards. Um, Sinestro Core number one, since that's the most recent thing really that I did by myself. Um, you know, Jeff said in that uh, in the script that uh, you know the Green Lanterns were going to hover above Oa, and then one of them was going to suddenly get shot in the head from a sniper, galaxies you know far away, and. You know, I, if I had laid that out as I read it, um, I would have just drawn a regular Green Lantern, blah, 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 getting his head. But the more I thought about it, how can I, you know, I, I asked myself, how can I make this more interesting and perhaps funny? And then I realized that, well, just letting me take a guy's head off, how about if I make it the guy who's all head? He's nothing but a head. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's a character that we've seen before. I'd love to see him get shot in the head. It would be like a watermelon at a Galaxy <laughs> concert. It's terrific. And, you know, listen, that occurred to me two weeks into the, into the you know, uh, the drawing of the script. Um, thank God I waited. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, you know, it's better just to sort of, if you don't have it right away, if you don't have a gag, if you don't have something interesting... 
put it down and walk away from it for a while. I mean, so you're really organic. I mean, you just kind of let whatever happens happen. I mean, you're I I take it you're always thinking about what'll work here, and you know, you don't work linearly. No, I, I just think what's the best way to do this. Like, you know, sometimes Jeff will be really specific, and you know, sometimes he'll be, you know, generous and be kind of vague. And, and just trust that I'll do something funny or, or interesting. And, um, you know, those are the moments that you look for. You know, it can't just be the, the, the product of one person's brain. I mean, it just it can't be. It's the collaboration. Um, you know, Jeff and my working together is much, much different than, you know, Jeff and, and Ivan or Jeff and, and Dale or, you know, Eagle Sherman you know, whoever else he works with because we're, we're two individuals combining our, you know, creative instincts. Um, and so are they. Um, uh, uh, Brad just opened up the Sinestro Corps special and because um, we were looking about that page we, you were talking about and uh, he stopped on your uh, on your Supergirl. <laughs> the oh, yeah. Good-looking Supergirl. What's the significance of having Guy construct a Supergirl blowing a kiss to Superboy Prime? I don't know. Jeff thought it was funny. Mm. You know, he wrote that in there. Um, I sure. thought it was funny too. I just didn't know if there was some thought behind it. Not that there uh, would have to I be thought behind it. Of Superboy, mm. you know. <clears throat> yeah, that, that was my take, and I, I thought it was cute. <laughs> um, you've already answered another one of June's uh, questions about inking your work, and would you prefer it if time were not a factor? You touched on that. Uh, you touched and on. I tell tell Jim. I mean, you know, if you if you were able to, I mean, some people just don't know how to ink at all, and it's better than that they just focus on their pencils. But I mean, inking your own work is like singing the songs that you wrote. I mean, you really should if you can hmm. ink wow. your own work, um, whatever it looks like. You know, it, um, I wouldn't worry too much about trying to make it look like. Mark Farmer or, or Kevin Nolan or any of these other excellent inkers that you see, just find something. I mean, just use, using whatever tools that you have, just find a way to make pleasing-looking drawings. And that's, that's all there is to inking. I mean, just find a way to make it look pleasing. You know, I, I love that analogy. Just, you know, if you write your songs, you should sing them. And I'm, I'm somewhat reminded of, um, uh, of Bob Dylan a little bit because... You know he's not a great singer, but when he does sing, it, there's a real passion behind it, and 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 that makes it part of of the art itself. You know, mm-hmm. God, that 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 like statement maybe kind of really could sing them technically better than he could. Yes. But then you know it's like Peter Paul and Mary singing "Blowing in the Wind." I mean, it's beautiful, but it doesn't mean the same thing as when you know Bob Dylan, you know, sings it. It's, yeah. Uh, a different different piece of work entirely. June definitely uh, is a talented inker as well. He's um, been inking some sketches and commissions that he's done for uh, friends of, uh, well, for me and, and Frank and then other f- people that listen to the show and listen to another uh, comic book podcast that we're all fans of. Um, and uh, I'll have to forward you a, a sh- sketch or two that he's drawn and inked because uh, they're, they're really beautiful beautiful uh pieces of art it, it's like he channels uh jim lee yeah. oh really <clears throat> yeah it's fantastic stuff yeah send it over um he's got others 
I know you're you're drawn, and I feel like you know we've taken up a lot of your time. And you guys, I, you are you're not. If you have more to ask, ask. You're not bothering me one bit. I'm kind of enjoying it. I like talking to you guys. Cool, cool, very cool. Well, that's. Uh, I'm definitely gonna save that soundbite. <laughs> and uh, hey, well, you know what? Um, while you're thinking of something, Brett, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, in issue 25. Just any moment that stood out for you, not necessarily that you drew, but but just story wise, because for me, like my favorite little scene in there takes place in Coast City, and they've house told everyone to evacuate but they don't and they they turn on all their green lights yeah that that part it it it's it's so cool because it 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 says something about heroes it's like heroes should inspire people heroes should inspire the every man and here's this whole town of people and they should leave but no they're going to support their guy they're going to support their hero and they're going to turn on their green lights and just you know yeah. we love you how we believe in you and we're going to stick here with you. And that moment spoke to me the and most. John says Frank Capra. While I, oh my while gosh. I agree that that. Frank Capra, yeah. While I agree that that <laughs> scene is was very cool and tugged at my heartstrings as well, what are the odds of, of everybody in that city having green cellophane paper <laughs> no, at the same I time? I think about that too. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's I close to Christmas time and they're wrapping their homemade cookies mm-hmm. in the green uh, glad wrap mm-hmm. and they just happen. But no, I agree that. Yeah. That scene. Maybe they have it anyway. I mean, it's it's like I, I imagine green is a very patriotic color for Coast, Coast City. City. Yeah, it would be for Coast City. I bet you'd be proud of of having Green Lantern be your superhero. You know, I like that scene where Hal goes to his his brother's place and his mm-hmm. his nephew and niece are there, and as he's flying off, his niece was it his niece says, "Kick their butts, Uncle Hal." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was <laughs> darling. I've got two. Two girls and uh, of my own, and uh, you know, just I can see my little one especially being like a cheerleader for yeah. you know, a superhero. That'd be just awesome. That yeah. connects with people. So, so what about you? Any moment in this that you're just like, yeah, or you know, just uh, tugged at you? See, well, you mentioned you mentioned good ones. I really like seeing you know. People uh, streaming back into Coast City. I'd like to see Coast City, um, you know, a populated, fully populated, functioning mm-hmm. city again. Uh, you know, and I, I guess that's where it's headed. Um, you know, Hal's got a lot to make up for. I think he, you know, abandoned Coast City once under the influence of Parallax, and he's got to let everyone know he can't ever, won't ever do that again. Yeah. Um, so seeing seeing people have faith in him again was, was good. Yeah, that, and I mean, you know, now at the end of this, let's let's look back a minute here. Do any of you have any doubts that Hal Jordan should have ever come back again? I mean, you know, in in Rebirth during Rebirth, everybody had doubts. It seems, you know, Batman wasn't sure that Hal was somebody who could be trusted, and and in general, fandom thought he was washed up as a hero. And that Jeff really had his work cut out for him as a writer um, to restore and redeem this hero. I can't remember why anymore. Can you? Yeah, uh, well, because Hal Jordan had been through through so many um, transformations. And it was almost like, oh, here we go again. It was like you know? DC didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. 
And so, you know, okay, well, let's bring him back. Let's make him the classic hero that he always was. Let's bring him back as a Green Lantern. And it, it's almost like we have so many Green Lanterns. We have Kyle. We, we have Guy. You know, do we really need to bring Hal back? But the story itself of Rebirth is so well written that, yes, you believe that, that, that Hal is meant for this mantle. Uh, you know, it, it's all the storytelling. And the storytelling was good. In rebirth. If I ever meet Jeff Johns, I'm going to give him a big man hug. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because I don't think anybody could have told the story any different way. I mean, the, the story, Hal's redemption had to happen this way. It had to tie in with the mythology the way it does. It was just the perfect, this is the perfect example of a retcon. Mm-hmm. It is the most sterling, perfect example of a retcon in all of comics, well, uh, in my opinion. How a retcon should be done. Yes, yes. I, I, I declare Green Lantern fixed. Yes, I, you know he, what I, he's I fixed, and now I want to buy his book every month. Yeah. yeah, it's done now. I mean, it's, you know, Jeff did what he set out to do. He succeeded. I, I you know, I, I can't imagine that any serious person who is actually a fan of Green Lantern would be unsatisfied at this point. Yeah, because yeah. this is uh, bringing bringing him back as Green Lantern could have been done so poorly and so badly to where no one would care. But you know, I, I think DC did a good job of of assigning an, you know a great writer like like Jeff on it to tell the tale and put thought into it. And just not, oh, he's a Green Lantern now. Oh, he, you know, everyone forgives him. Or, you know what, let's mind wipe everyone, and and that'll be the answer to it. No, I mean, Hal had to go through his steps. He had to go, you know, he had to build that trust back up and stuff like that. And, you know, it's always going to be the storytelling. You know, always. And, and, and it was done right, and, and we believe in Hal now. In the back of the Rebirth trade, I'm not sure about the hardcover, but the trade, it's got the... Uh, the text pages that basically were written by Jeff Johns and his his outline of the the rebirth story, um, and you know he would ask questions. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read the top of this. It says, "I'm going to outline the basics behind what happened to Hal Jordan before getting into the miniseries outline. It's all tied into Green Lantern mythology, which is what we're looking to restore. Everything needs to be tied back into Hal Jordan, who he was, and where he's going." Then he tackles things like who is Parallax. Uh, isn't Sinestro dead? Where is Hal Jordan's body? Um, you know, why did the Spectre choose Hal Jordan as a host? How will Hal Jordan return to the land of the living? How will he be absolved in the eyes of our heroes? Jeff thought this out down to the de- mm-hmm. the minutest detail, and then he executed it perfectly. Yeah. Like like I said, it's it was the perfect. He thought of everything. You know, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Ethan, Batman didn't trust him. Well, he had to get pa- he had to get past that somehow. He had to get Bruce Wayne past the point of not trusting Hal, and he did it. He did it successfully, and I bought it. I bought it all. I thought it was just incredible. Yeah. Well, who's the next character that uh, needs work? Oh my Plastic gosh. Man. <laughs> Plastic Man. <laughs> Tell us your yeah, tell us your that. fascination with Plastic Man. Um, I I really like the old comics. I really like the Jack Cole version of Plastic Man, and not only that, but 
Um, you know, there's some characters that you just say, yeah, I was, I was put here on Earth as a comic book artist, partially to, to help this character along. And Plastic Man is like that for me. I, I feel like I could contribute a lot to that character and, and make his book work again. Well, cause you're um, wondering, and I feel, I feel close to his creator. I think Jack Cole was a lot like me in a lot of ways. Um, as a as a young man growing up, you know, cartoonist and everything, his ambitions. Um, I I sympathize with him. Um, uh, you, it came to a tragic end. I hope I do not come to a tragic end. Uh, but uh, even still, you know, his 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 stories. I don't know if you've read any Jack Cole Plastic Man. Are so off the wall, so creative, so offbeat, so unlike anything else that anyone was doing. He was a dis distinctive voice who just kind of told wacky train of thought stories the way he wanted to and, and did it all by himself. You know, I, I admire him. Do you know if there's a collection of in, of those stories? Like a trade or a hardback? or? Oh, of course. Yeah, the Plastic Man archives. The archives, okay. Yeah, I think they're up to volume nine now. But, oh, my I mean, goodness. Yeah, you, you cannot go wrong. Just pick up any one of them, sit down, and just... Prepare to have your socks blown off. <laughs> was Jack Cole the creator? Yeah, Jack Cole was the creator of Plastic Man, and he uh, went on to go do illustrations for Playboy, and then he, he killed himself in 1957, and nobody knows why. Hmm. He left he left two strange suicide notes, and whatever the reasons were, I guess they were pretty personal. Um, you know, just a profound loss. Uh, he should still be around today, but uh, you know, in his in his brief, relatively brief career, he created comics that do not read as old. Uh, really? You know, you'll read the, yeah, you read the Golden Age, you know, Superman stuff, and they feel dated. I mean, they're good, but they they feel dated. This stuff is still funny today. Um, so clever and wacky and weird. And uh, you know, Plastic Man has has changed a lot. He you know now he's functioning in the DC universe as a basically a pain in the ass, you know, wacky kind of Jim Carrey character that annoys the other heroes. And um, that that irritates me to no end. I think he should be a gangster. I think and, he should be. Yeah, uh, that, that ir- ir- irritates me too because it's just, I mean, we, we've all been around that guy who's just, you know, he's always on. He's always funny. And, mm-hmm. and he has this amazing power, but it's, you know, I, I could only imagine being in a room with Plastic Man, and he's always, you know, hey, hey, woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, and well, I mean, see, and that's not who he was. I mean, in the books, he was the smart, clever detective superhero, and everyone else around him was an idiot. And, uh, you know, he was the smart guy in the room. Who was it that turned him into the goofball? Yeah, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know who to blame. I'd like to, like to find who to blame and strangle them, but... Um, I, I my my idea is to take Eel O'Brien, who was a mobster, and restore him to the, the tough Irish thug hoodlum that uh, Jack Cole established him as, a guy who works in the criminal underworld, who everybody knows, who Batman may go to to say, you know, we're looking for the Penguin, we're looking for Two Face. But, you know, Eel O'Brien rubs shoulders with these guys, and then you know as a mobster, and this is alter ego plastic man, turns him over to the FBI. His, his goal is to bring down the mob, the underworld. And 
that's so much cooler <laughs> to me. And it makes him so much more valuable to the Justice League uh, than the clown who turns into an airplane and everybody gets inside him and you know, I don't know what uh, you know uh, he is today. But that, one of my goals is to see Plastic Man as a character that people can uh, take seriously. Well, what, what's the holdback right now? I mean, I mean, wh- why can't you do that? Is, is Jeff Johns too busy? <laughs> yeah, DC has things for me to do. Um, the good news is, is that you know Dan DiDio has heeded my suggestions, and um, you know he's going to begin this. I mean, D- you know DC's going to start uh, using Plastic Man in a new way, um, and he's. You know, Dan has said, you know, even if you have time, you can, you know, absolutely. But, you know, I've got, I've got huge summer blockbusters to draw. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't, you know, it's, it's one thing after another. I have an exclusive contract and I have, you know, things to do. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I can't get to my vanity projects yet. Um, you know, I, you were asking when Plastic Man got all silly, and I'm just thinking out loud, you know, there was, in the 70s, or, or, or late 70s, there was a Saturday morning cartoon featuring Plastic Man, and he was really goofy in there, and I'm wondering if that kind of bled over a little bit, because, you know, it was meant for kids, and, yeah. you know, Plastic Man, he could become a ball and do silly stuff, and, and I wonder if that was, th- that's how he became what he is now. No, uh, just no, thinking I think, out loud. I think, yeah, probably, there, there was a Plastic Man series in the, in the 60s and 70s as mm-hmm. well, that was goofy. And, you know, I mean, they just were trying to figure out, I think, you know, what to do with this character. Maybe he'd work as a, a humor book. But, you know, it's not, the, the title of the comic that he used to appear in was Police Comics. I mean, this was, this was a mob book. It, he was a, you know, he was a criminal. And, um, again, I mean, they, 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 veered, they veered left when maybe they should have veered right. Um, uh, what what about a sidekick? Do you have um, the Woozy? Woozy, yeah. Uh, uh, well, uh, how do you envision him? Um, well, if uh, if Plastic Man, if Eel O'Brien is Ray Liotta in Goodfellas, which I think he is, mm-hmm. uh, then Woozy Winks would be Maury's wigs. They never come off. He'd be uh, you know kind of maybe a Jewish guy who owns a deli. Okay. Low level, you know, does some stuff, bagman for the mob, but nobody respects him. Gets in trouble, has a big mouth. Okay. That kind of a character owes money to everyone everywhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but again, I mean, you know, he's a real fleshed out character. That's you know, that's there. Um, he doesn't have to be a, a silly cartoon character. He could, you know. He could work within the context of what I want this book to be. Okay. Hey, tell us about your son, Hunter. <laughs> um, he's and, eight. And how he he uh, he inspired uh, <laughs> Hunter Zolomon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know why that happened. Um, Jeff just named uh, a flash villain after my son. Is he trying to tell you something? <laughs> well, I, I didn't think so at first, but then he named the vampire bad guy on Blade after me. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why he's trying to 
make my family out to be, you know, criminal masterminds. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's flattery. I like it. And yeah, Hunter I, loves it. He loves hearing about it. It has a little Professor Zoom action figure. Yeah, look, awesome. I mean, for, for everyone out there, yeah, um, uh, Jeff Johns uh, named uh, Reverse Flash after, or the new Reverse Flash after, after after your son. Maybe you saw your kid running around real fast one day, you know, <laughs> throwing stuff around, and he's going, oh, yeah, that, that'd be perfect. Anyway, I Hunter's a great it, name, though. I mean, Hunter's I, just an awesome name. Yeah, I think what it was is that Solomon, and, you know, you take some letters out, and it's Zoom, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's kind of neat, you know, I thought, but... I don't know. Who knows? I never asked him. I just said thank you. Yeah. Does Hunter read comics? Uh, he does. I guess. I mean, he 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 gets excited when boxes of my own books come. He, he always <laughs> asks for one, and he brings them to school. But you know, they're around all the time, and I, I think part of part of the fun of comic books, at least for me, was the fact that I acquired them myself. And, you know, from spare change and everything, I would go buy my own comics, and I had to if I wanted to keep up with the story. And, well, you know, in our house, comics are free, and they're everywhere, and he couldn't care less. Yeah. Can I come live with you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all you have to do is get a job at DC Comics, and you get everything for free. Aww. Awesome. It's true. Well, I think we um, should. I, I think we should wrap up at this point because we uh, we were going like ninety minutes. That's hey, three and a half yeah, hour wasted. An hour and a half. You should be able to get thirty minutes out of that. Yeah. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna have two forty five minute episodes. I think. Yeah. <laughs> forty five minutes uh, wasted. Yeah. Yeah. Just cut out all my um <laughs> and all my coughing in, a, in twenty minutes. Well, Ethan, uh, we want to thank you so much for making time to sit with us. You have really just just uh, you know given us some great information about Green Lantern and where they're headed and, and just about your career and stuff like that. And uh, we'd like to have you on in a future date, too. You know what? It was a lot of fun and, you know, any time. Thank you very much. Great. We're going to promote this uh, interview on a on a message board for another podcast that we are big fans of, um, Comic Geek Speak. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're a fantastic podcast. heard of them. I don't know if I've been on that show, though. I don't believe you have. We've listened to... Pretty much all those episodes. Um, but it's on uh, Word Balloon twice, and that's always good. Yeah. <clears throat> but, but you guys have really good radio announcer voices. You have, oh, you have well. good. In, I mean, are you professionally trained? Well. Well, like you, no, we're not. We're self-taught. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you, do, you sound like radio DJs. I am a, uh, I am a video producer, and I do do a lot of on-air stuff. You said do do. I said do do, and um, I'm a video editor. So we we work in the TV production business. Right. So we're maybe maybe it has to do with the fact that we're kind we kind of are, are exposed to that yeah. environment, or maybe it's just because we're that cool. <laughs> it was very professional. I'm, well, I'm impressed. Well, thank you. Wow, I'm going to save that sound bite too. <laughs> hey, Ethan, you take care, and uh, we'll send you an email, let you know when the show's out and stuff like that. Thanks, fellas. Okay, thank take you care. so much, Ethan. Bye. No problem. Have a good weekend. Uh, you you too. too. Bye. Bye. All right. Oh man. We are awesome. That is awesome, guys. Uh, I guess we're going to break this up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is, you're probably listening to part two right now, but um, thank you, Ethan. That was awesome. That and, was just incredible. And uh, let's wrap up. Yeah. Uh, gr- a great show, guys. You know where to catch us: halfhourwasted.com or uh, thecomicforums.com. Um, 
halfhourwaste at gmail.com. Uh, this is going to be a great day. Oh, yeah. you want to do the phone yeah. number, Brian? Call, call our voicemail at 641-715-3900, extension 775 and, and, uh, oh, go ahead. And tell us how, how, what you thought of the interview. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening. You, um, thanks for wasting your time with us. Brad, take care. No, you take care. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.